We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I don't even think we were good uh, until the second iteration. Like, those guys, you know? And if I'm snapping yeah, Jeff at gets you, mad at you, you probably... You know you've you probably... crossed the line when I snap at somebody on air. How long have you guys been doing the show, the Sirius XM show together? Uh, and was there anything before the radio? Um, well, we first started doing radio in 2005 on uh, MLB Network Radio. And I would do like Monday through Thursday and Chris would do the Friday show. I don't remember. I, I don't even remember. I, I thought we split it initially and then I got fired. And <laughs> then I started doing the, uh, the late show. Like we were doing it with that guy, Phil. Phil Wood. I did it like, I thought I did it like Monday through Thursday. I I I thought I did it every other day, but I remember you missing a show because you got stuck in traffic and you got in big trouble and you were like trying to zip into the Well, so that was like the first week of the the show. (laughs) And they had us going to the studio in the Valley. um, And I I never take that route. I had no idea how long it took. I I, I like, and this is, you know, pre-Google Maps being like pretty precision on how long it takes. Now, I'm an idiot. I should have planned to be there an hour before the show. I was still a young, dumb 30-something at the time. You know, you, you and I, it's so funny. I would remember different things. Now, you missed one on the way into the office. We used to do it in that, uh, that like, uh, translucent, whatever, that room with the French doors. Oh, did did I do it twice? You missed it in the office. And I, I remember. Oh, I know you're right. So I remember. Uh, I, I remember. Yeah, you missed one that day. We were in, I, we were in the office. That. Yeah. But, but also, I'm not sure why I didn't just do it instead. I don't remember. There's, it was weird. Like, what, you know, when we were, maybe it was Fridays for me. Maybe you're right. My recollection. But uh, it was just such a crazy thing. We, we were basically paired up with this guy, Phil Wood, who he was all right. You know, he, he was kind of dismissive of fantasy. He was kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm an old school, experienced radio guy. Who are these fantasy nerds? So he's sort of a dick, but he wasn't so that bad. I liked him better than you did. Yeah. And I thought he was very, like, he just didn't understand it and was trying to learn uh, fantasy, but he had his long held opinions about baseball. And if those two cross swords, then yeah, he was dismissive. Of course, you know, I, I probably has to, something to do with our personalities. My guess is my guess that you're a little bit more combative than I am. Agreed. Uh, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say combative. I would say uh, I, I definitely, pro- I probably, if you mean, I challenged him on some of his, completely wrong views yes i guess you're combative uh, yes yes yeah. thank you so yeah no, no no i if he says i wouldn't be competitive if he you know was saying stuff that made sense um but the thing is that that it wasn't just that though i remember like we had uh some interviews i remember one time we interviewed harman killebrew um and we were in vegas and you know was, i don't know if you were on that one i think you might have been we were at yeah the i was side I at was. one of the hotels uh, and like he just didn't let us even say a word to harman killebrew he just dominated the interview and I just thought he was very, like, just full of, you know, okay, let me take this here because I'm a professional. You guys are a bunch of nerds. I thought he was kind of dismissive. Of, I remember just, that, too. Yeah. I, I, I'll, it, I'll it, wasn't just, that. it wasn't just that, you know, he didn't understand the sabermetrics. I thought there was actually, like, you know, he was almost, like, looking down at, like, you know, okay, well, I gotta, I'm got i stuck with these idiots, you know. And, 
So he was, you know, he wasn't a terrible guy. I mean, he was fine to talk with. I didn't, I didn't like really dislike him, but I just, that was our first. We were raw. I mean, we hadn't hosted radio before. So there was some mentoring that was needed. And as far as that goes, handling the ins and outs, you know, things like that. I learned a lot from him. Um, I thought he was good. Uh, But then they cut that cord pretty quick. Uh, pretty quickly. Uh, into what year show. was this, by the way, guys? What year? Two thousand five, maybe. You know, by the end of that first season, it was just us, us hosting the show without a co-host more often than not. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. A- I don't remember when they got rid of him, but yeah, I guess it was pretty soon. I don't think I, we learned from him, Jeff. I think we were raw. You're right. <laughs> I just think we got better because we did it more, and I don't even think we were good uh, until the second iteration. Like I think, like we um, were still raw, but like. You know, we got a little bit of experience just doing it. You know, we're way uh, too reliant on callers then, too. But keep in mind, solo hosting a show without really the experience of just being able to monologue for a long time. No, if I had it, you know, we'd have guests and they were fine, but we didn't have enough of them. Uh, And, you know, it's much easier. It's a dialogue is much more interesting to listen to than a monologue. How did you find your own voice in, in radio? You just get more confident. We shared this office space with like four other companies. And so whenever like the FedEx guy would come, he would leave the uh, package and, you know, with whoever was there. And we were like the first, you know, desks, like right when you go inside the door, we just take the package, sign for it, drop it on the desk of the, of the company where, uh, and it was like, you know, there were these glass doors and you could see in. Um, and as I said, like the, we shared an office space with like four other companies and whenever FedEx or UPS would come, we would sign usually cause we were the first desk like that they would see when they came in the door. And then we put it on whoever's desk. And if we weren't there, someone would sign for us. So uh, I guess those FedEx guys got used to that. And so I'm hosting the show in this little uh, conference room that has these uh, French doors that you can see through. And he starts knocking on the door and I'm waving away like, go, go, go. Come on. I'm trying to host. I got the headset on, whatever. He doesn't know what I'm doing. He just wants me to sign something. But I'm trying to do the show with this guy, like, you know, distracting me and I'm screwing it up badly. I'm like, and, uh, and I'm trying to like pretend to the audience like I, nothing's going on at the same time. I'm getting totally off my point yeah. by trying to get rid of this guy. Um, and it, it ruined the segment, you know. And so uh, what I learned later when the dude tried to bust into my studio, uh, you know, and I threatened <laughs> to drop him or I said I should have dropped him. But I was like, dude, he was like, oh, this is my studio. And I turned around and I was like, dude, I'm on the show right now. I'm on the air. You're being annoying. Like you're interrupting a show. There's a live show going on. I should have said that to the FedEx guy. I'd be like, dude, FedEx guy, I told you five times, leave me alone. I'm on the show. That would have been good radio, but I didn't have the confidence to just roll with that distraction. I had, to, I thought I had to pretend. So I guess that's a long winded way of saying, um, it's at some point you just realize like not faking it is always the right way. Like don't pretend just, just be yourself. I have a, con- I'm having a conversation with Jeff. Jeff's a friend of mine. Jeff and I are arguing about or discussing, you know, some football disagreement we have, which we might do like, you know, 20 years ago at a bar over a beer. And then that's who you are. Right. So that's it. That was sort of what happened for me. Some of our best moments are when you're interrupted, for sure. The the New York studio, like just Oscar coming in or mm-hmm. you yelling at uh, your kid or your, your wife, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, you know lot, lots of those. There's- Longtime fans of the show always point to the contrast in styles of the two of your personalities, which is really what makes the show what it is. When did you embrace the, uh, the contrast rather than fade away from it. Uh, Jeff, let me ask you that first. Like yesterday. No, uh, (laughs) maybe five years ago, six years. No, it was probably, probably even longer than that, but no, I mean, I, I, I just think you get used to each other. You start to kind of pick up on each other's beats a little bit more. I'd say by the time we launched Sirius XM fantasy, we had already kind of, we had already had plenty of experience together. We had done like the, the night show that Chris had done a lot. Uh, together uh we had done a number of shows on the mlb network together probably shortly after they launched the the fantasy channel i think we were probably pretty good they might argue people might argue otherwise but i think we you know you know got you know when you start doing a show together every day it happens pretty quick uh and especially when you know we've we've been in business together at that point for over 10 years I think that, that made it pretty easy to uh, kind of just pick up on each other's beats. When you guys found out you were going to be on satellite radio, I mean, you're going back into pre-2010. It was first XM. Was that a big deal? It was a big deal. Uh, I, I thought it was a big deal. You know, when 
when I started doing any radio in like 2001 or two, um, and I still do the show, this Iowa show in Cedar Rapids, just because, you know, those are the first guys that put me on the radio. I was nervous. I was like, oh, wow, I'm talking on the radio. Like there's people listening in their cars. This is kind of a big deal. Um, and then when we got uh, this national show, it was like a really big deal, you know, and, and yeah, I, I think I was pretty nervous about that. And even, um, you know, in this, even getting back on the Sirius XM one, you know, that was kind of a big deal to get it back. So they flew me out to D.C. Uh, when they were going to launch the channel. See, this is they just launched the baseball channel in 2005. I had been doing radio like, you know, local radio hits here and there uh, about the same time Chris started 2001, 2002. I was really raw those first couple of months, but I never hosted. They put me in and they flew me out. I met with Kevin Kennedy and like on the, you know, flew out together. We, you know, although he was in first class, I was in coach, but we met together in the airport. Uh, and then they took us in the same like car into their studios and put us up in a hotel separately, uh, fortunately. But uh, he, Kevin was really nice, by the way. And Rob Dibble was super nice. But I'm meeting all these people. I'm like, wow, this is kind of big time. And you, you see, you took us on a tour through their studio. They had a big launch party. And I was the smallest speck on their talent roster. It was pretty interesting. Well, so then they're having a party and there's like a, one beer left on the train. Like, oh, this is for the talent. I was totally joking. And someone's like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And tried to put, and then the guy tried, you know, one of the producers like, yeah, but these are, there's a lot more other talent here. Like, I know, I know I was joking. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. uh, I know, I know my place here in other words, but you know, it's like, no, he wanted to make sure I knew my place. It was, it was still pretty funny. <laughs> who do you think the listener was and who do you think the listener is? Describe who you guys are broadcasting to over the last 10, 12 years. But I think like the people that stuck with us, I like to think so at least. And I always did the show as though this were the case. We're actually like pretty smart and like knew it. You kind of knew what was up. Yeah, I think the people are thirsty for fantasy content, too. Back then, it was hard to find, especially in like when we were on the baseball channel. And they were like a whole show dedicated to fantasy. And then uh, Corey Schwartz and Mike Siano were doing the thing on the 411 uh, right about the same time they started up, maybe a little bit later. But uh it was, it was basically those are that's if you wanted on air content, especially a whole show dedicated to it, where they'd actually take your questions. That was pretty wild. But and then when we started on the on the fantasy channel, I think it was a little bit different, too, because then it was more football oriented, it was football, serious and XM. And it was run by serious guys, which was were football guys. So that, that kind of changed things a little bit there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely people that have the means to actually have satellite radio. Um, it's also, you have to really want fantasy content usually to listen to a whole show. One of the things I think that Chris in particular is good at is broadening that out because some of our best segments had nothing to do with like the basics of fantasy. It was just whatever he, you know, whatever is on his mind that day. And that's where we got like silly little concepts from though, too. You know, whether it was like, you know, guess the lines or, you know, you know, you know, and just little phrases like tip the king or things like that all started from rants and things like that, where we just go off on something. And sometimes it was related to fancy fantasy, sometimes related to football. Sometimes it was just whatever struck his mind that day. And those are the best segments. Those are fun. So Jeff, you know, Liz's dust ups with management have been well-documented public. Mm -hmm. What made you stick by you know, him? You know, they're not, they're not all public there. There's some of them. No, there, there, there's more. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of them um, public, but what made you stick with him, even when the cards were stacked against him at times? Well, we're friends. I think that's the thing you start with: friends and business partners too. I'm gonna, I have to be on team list because that's team Rotowire, that's team me. Uh, but also, it's just he was right. I think that was the biggest thing. There, almost most, almost all these dust ups, Chris was right. There might have been one time where I saw, saw the other side, but geez, you, you know, you got to back your your guys' play. Uh, and it wasn't even a play. It was just an argument usually. Uh, and he was right. So usually I'd go along. I go along because I agreed. Unless you have anything to add to that. I appreciate that. And it's true. I mean, I was definitely, you know, uh, rocking the boat a little bit. And uh, and Jeff never, you know, was never like, hey, man, don't say that or don't do this. It was always like as if I could. But <laughs> well, no, but you could have made it hard yeah. for me. You know, you could have made no, it a lot harder true. for me if you were like, and one of the things I said about leaving Rotowire was, you know, we got into disagreements, Pete and I, especially, but nobody ever did anything like, oh, go behind your back. And like, oh, I know this is a problem to like Matt Deutsch or one of the guys, you know, I was in an argument with about what we should be doing. 
Uh, nobody ever did anything like that. In fact, it was the opposite. I was allowed to say what I wanted. I was basically allowed to be myself. Nobody tried to rein that in, you know? And so, you know, I was lucky because, you know, you know what the corporate environment is now. Everybody's always, you know, telling people what they can and can't say. Um, and I just got very lucky that I had guys like Jeff and Pete. And even if it wasn't their style or their personality to be, you know, ranting or fighting with management about stuff or, you know, um, they, they never, you know, they never stopped me from doing it. And, and I'll say like, you know, there were times, you know, just the basic one that probably people know, but like, you know, we're supposed to take a lot of calls all the time. That's what the show was supposed to be. And we fought that because it was stupid mm. because we basically were turning over the production of our show to a bunch of randos that, you know, yeah, it's great for them and they're psyched to get their call on and their question answered. But for everybody else, it was terrible radio. It was stuff that was irrelevant for everybody else. And we just hated it. We just thought it was dumb. Uh, but there was this model in place from like terrestrial radio where that was the way to go. And it was the way to show. It was also a metric to show how many listeners you had. Um, and it was just, it was poison on the air. It was just terrible. And so we fought that and it was hilarious because um, about six or seven years ago, Jeff and I, we had to go in. I thought it was remedial training for, uh, for recalcitrant hosts, but actually everybody had to do it. It was sort of a meeting with these like marketing guys from XM that they hired. And they started going over like what they had done their tests on and what worked and what didn't. And they're like, calls don't work you know you need to generate the content right. and I, I looked over at matt deutsch who was in the room i was like dude please thank you and he was like okay okay he was actually yeah. not that i'll bad say of a this about, about deutsch yeah. uh deutsch you, we tangled with him a lot but he actually listened to us a lot too and we know from previous experience by the way all, just we're talking about matt deutsch, matt the deutsch former, former pro, program director, director for sirius xm yes. yeah and he's he just recently left sirius xm he's doing his own, his own thing, thing now yeah he's starting his own channel you guys should support but um matt you know we may have tangled with him a lot he may have had some really silly ideas at times but you know what we know from previous experience with other program directors you can get a lot worse uh you can get he wasn't a lot the worst no he wasn't the worst he, he was pretty good matt, matt so, listened to us we fought but then he'd listen sometimes he wouldn't listen you know, we're, we're, I'm bitter still that we lost a couple of producers that we love and yeah. uh, Ivy and Trevor. And there was right. other stuff going on than just the direction of our show that caused this. But at the same time, we loved Ivy. We loved Trevor, our producers. Um, well, why did you lose other producers? Why did you? Why, no, uh, why, and you know, why were they let go? You know, a lot of stuff dealing with that they had to deal with, like on their side of things there at SiriusXM. I don't want to dive into that too much because that's that's their that's their laundry day, right? Um, but point is it was a dark day when we when they let go of trevor it was a dark day when they let go of ivy uh we trusted them we built the show with them they they listened to us they had our backs so when we fought with management they they were on our side that probably did not help their cause i'm guessing but it helped our cause we we really liked them yeah i, I i'm gonna say a little bit more uh, um I, I don't want to get jeff in trouble but it's, you know, this, the, these people aren't here. None of them are there. You know, Deutsch is gone and, and so are Trevor and Ivy. Um, my understanding was Trevor really backed us up on some of this, on, on sort of challenging some of the calls. And I think he paid a price. First, he got moved off our show and then, you know, eventually let go. But uh, not that, you know, he's doing, I think, pretty well now. So I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world that happened to him. And maybe he wasn't suited for that long term anyway. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, I, I'm not going to not say that because, um, you know, we, I couldn't say that for a long time. You know, he, it, it was like, we were working, it was a horrible thing for us. Like it was our, our friends and our producers that we really liked working with. And they just kind of got rid of them, you know, uh, different times. Ivy was a couple years later. Uh, but, um, uh, but that was definitely, uh, something I was not happy about. Um, and yeah, there, but Jeff's also right. You know, uh, Matt had his, has had his positives too, you know, and he was good at, uh, sort of marketing the, the channel and, and, you know, growing support for it. And I, I think he worked really hard at it. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't begrudge the guy. I mean, I hope he does well in his next endeavor. I, re I really don't. I mean, he's not, he's not a bad guy. Uh, but that, I think I just want to say that because I feel like that's true and there's no reason not to say it right now, you know, like, no, they, I agree. They, they I got agree. fired and that was, you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. I, I mean, that was their livelihood, whatever. They're young and they have other things and maybe, you know, in the end they weren't suited for it, but I felt like, it was sort of my fault. I was the one challenging them. Mm. Trevor had my back. And, you know, I think it would have been more seismic to fire me because our show was established because it was Rotowire. There's a lot of connections and it was easy to fire him. And I, I think that I felt bad about that. And I, you know, I mean, obviously he's a grown man and he made his own choice, but I thought that was wrong. Um, 
The Jeff's right though. When I got fired the first time, uh, those guys were douchebags. The, what the year two, was that? 2006 or something. We started in 2005. Oh, so pre pre fantasy sports channel. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember the guys. I honestly don't remember the guy's name. Matt and another guy. Fishman is Chuck Dickman and Matt Fishman. Uh, Chuck right? Dickman, Matt Fishman. Those are the guys. What a perfect me. name for a guy. Yeah, Dick Chuck. You know, Chuck was the guy that was the. Well, I don't know who player. did what, but I. But all I know was that they used to kind of like uh, crit critique us all the time, saying you guys are boring, you're too nerdy. And I had Joe Sheehan on, and we were having a conversation. We made a bet. It was like a fifty dollar bet on Andrew Jones hitting fifty home runs or whatever. And my producer at the time was like, oh, you can't talk gambling on the show, which is hilarious because the last five right. years have been more gambling, more gambling. But they acted not just like, oh, just try not to do that. It's no big deal. But, you know, we just try not. It was like I did something gravely wrong, you know. And then mm. uh, and then I kind of cursed out my producer. I don't know if I cursed him out, but I was like, Dude, what the hell is your problem? Like you're, you're constantly saying we're too boring. I make a fun bet. Oh, now this is the end of the world. Um, and so then that alone, that was it. I was. That was what got me fired. And I remember thinking at the time, like, I'm going to get those motherfuckers back. Like, can I say that on this? Maybe I'm going to get those. I'm going to get those. You, back. You can say whatever you well, want. Well, they fired me. You know, that was a big deal for me. And, and they were they were they were railing about how boring we were. And I made a bet and and I just and they acted like I did something horrible and I complained about it and they just canned me. They weren't like, listen, we don't like gambling. It was it was like there was not like a warning or like you've been. It wasn't like I did it eight times. I did it once. And I and then when they tried to, like, lay into me about it, I was like, OK, well, you know, I'm trying to do something fun. And I remember thinking about those guys and thinking, I'm going to get those guys. I'm going to get those guys. And it turned out that, um, you know, when, when Sirius bought XM, those guys, I think they disappeared mostly anyway. Uh, and I never got my chance to get them. So I will, I didn't even know their names anymore. I'd forgotten them, but thanks Jeff for, uh, attaching a name back to, uh, to that. But, but that was unjust and those guys you know i, I want to say it because i never got to say it you know people screw you over like 10 years ago and you forget and you move on and you're like okay i'm doing fine i don't care but them you know that was like measly and and you deserve you deserve to be called out for firing people that shouldn't have been fired and and misusing your power in that way and and good i'm glad i'm glad i have a venue to say something that's actually yeah good. Yeah, forgotten about that. I thought I'm Matt though brought was one of the ones that brought you back on the other channel though. So I I don't have an axe to grind with Matt. No. Oh, did he bring? He might have brought me back on the other channel, which was this. Nobody listened to it, but I loved my producer, this guy Stephen Gregory. I don't know where yep, he is now. He was great, but he was a nice guy, and I liked Mike Shields was one of my producers from the old show. A good guy, also. I loved uh, our producers. Yeah, we have yeah, oh, and one notable exception. With one notable exception. One notable yeah. exception. Well, no, I, won't, no, I, I, mean, I, I won't throw him under the bus. I won't punch down. I won't punch down. No, like I, that guy, I agree. Well, what did he do? What did this, what did this oh, producer do? Big time. He, he would, like, he would be like, he'd be like, oh, Jeff and Liz are talking gambling and like report us. Because so, okay, so not only get fired for gambling, I'm like the guy picking pockets when the guy's getting hanged for picking pockets in the square, you know? But basically they fired me for that. But then like we would, you know, move in some gambling talk in the new iteration. And it wasn't as like, oh, that's a sin. It was just a little frowned upon. So he would like rat out to Deutsch. He'd rat us out behind our backs. And I'll give Deutsch credit here. He actually got rid of this guy instead of us when we got into it. And, and, and that, when I saw him doing that, I was like, that's it. I'm not working with that guy. I'm not working with a guy who's like a, you know, North Korean minder who's going to like, you know, he's not on our side. All of our producers have been on our side, you know, Draws and Ivy and, and Trevor. Well, he made it about him. He wanted to be on air more. Mm. He wanted to, he was trying to tell us questions to ask and he got mad when you, we went asked. That was the like the final straw. When you and Dalton were doing a show and they had Ricky Henderson on the show and he got so mad that uh, listen Dalton wouldn't ask this stupid question of his cuz he was going to use that as the cut to promote was his question. You know how they right. take a cut from our show every once in a while. And he wanted to make it about him. And then there was another time and it's like and I said get that stuff off, you know. He made some sort of like mindless like sports media comment that we always push against. Like, get that stuff off my show. And he goes, "Our show." And I go, "No, it's Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today, not Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today." And X. Yeah. And he goes, "Oh." And that yeah. was funny. yeah, because no, I'm the one snapping. And if I'm snapping, yeah, Jeff at gets you, mad at you. You probably you know you you've probably... crossed the line when I snap at somebody on air. Yeah. I mean, this was on air, and I chastised <laughs> him for that. Um, yeah. It was just it was too much. But anyway. it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. But but we're not going to name this guy. But but the point is, and then you know, I, I thought the final straw was when he went and like ratted us out. You know, and again, to Deutsch's credit, he 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 knew who to side with in this case. But yeah. Um, but it was like I can't have this guy. You know, producers have got to be. They have a tough job because they they've got to manage um, 
difficult hosts like me uh, who are fighting management and they still work for management. So it's a, it's a hard job. Yep. But, it, but if you're, but if you can't as a producer um, at least like be on the side of your host enough um, to uh, so that they trust you, uh, you're bad at the job. So it's not an easy job always, but it's uh, you know, that was the only one that I thought was really bad. Everybody else did a pretty yeah, good job. I, I like our producer. Like, I like our yeah. current ones. Uh, yeah. I think current great. ones are good too. Yeah. Bennett and give him, give him a and credit. Brian Bennett Carroll. Awesome. And Brian yep. draws. They're both good. Yep. Yeah. So both of you over the years, you have this amazing platform. You have, you're building your, your fan following on Sirius XM and through all your other, your other, uh, you know, different media appearances. I'm sure you have people pitching you ideas and how they could be on the show. That's a perfect segue from what you just said. Hey, I'll start with Jeff. How do you fend off all of these, uh, let's say people that want to ride the coattails and just want to take from you? How do you, how do you deal with that? It doesn't happen as much as you think. Uh, first of all, uh, maybe they, they, they go above us they go directly to xm but you know people know like you know we're not going to be your infomercial every once in a while we get we get a deal like that uh shan will come in with an ad shan McEwen, our ad guy will come in with a, a, a an idea and we're like okay well as long as it's not an infomercial and actually providing content we'll bring them on sure but for the most part i don't find that much interference uh from that way i don't you know People want to be guests on our show. We we usually have a lot of the same guests. We don't really vary it a whole lot. Uh, but I, I don't really have to deal with that too much. Do you, Chris? Not much. Uh, Mike Masato is always asking me, but I don't feel bad about saying no to him. Uh, we let Who's him Mike on Masato? sometimes. Give us contact. Mike the mouth. Mike the mouth. He's just a he's a character in the NFBC, and uh, mm-hmm. he's a good guy. I mean, but he just always you know he'll ask. He hasn't asked in a while, but he used to ask a lot, and I would basically ignore him or get him on every now and then. But not too many people ask. There are, you're right, Jeff, that infomercial thing comes up because we have an ad sales department and the XM property is really valuable. But I, I think, you know, Shannon's always been respectful uh, and Pete yep. to not, not, you know, pushing it down our throats. And I think that it's good because, you know, when you're not doing, when you do infomercials, yeah, you make a little more money, but you actually, you hurt the integrity of the brand. And then, you know, the listener, it's not worth as much. Uh, and so, um, you know, I'm always like, how much are they paying? No, that's not enough. You know, like, yeah. if it were like enough, we would get the guy on and we used to do it a little bit more, but I think especially me, I got in my older age, I just would be like, no, absolutely not. Um, and that was fine. Nobody really took it beyond that. Um, you mentioned your reoccurring guests. Let's talk about each of them briefly. Okay. Let's start with, with Scott Pianowski. My history with RotoWire goes back to the late 90s. They needed, I think, a Vancouver Canucks beat writer. What do you think that the unique value that Jeff and Chris gave to the audience? I think it really helps that they have different styles. They both are not afraid to, you know, to get silly, to get to, to be funny. Uh, they play off each other well. You just you never know who's going to have chemistry with um, with other people, and you just have to try. And sometimes pairings don't work you know sometimes a pitcher and catcher works and if you know steve carlton for whatever reason wanted to throw to tim mccarver as a some duos just work and it's a lot of times it's because of a contrast in styles but the primary part of the show i think reason why it's successful is because they're both smart i mean yeah i think they both have law degrees um and jeff used to joke that he he thought he gave more utility to the the world by by doing roto than than practicing law that was his contribution to the to society so well, scott's been working for us even longer than chris was working on roto roto news back in the day scott scott was one of the og beat writers for us so we've known scott forever the idea of making a codif- codifying making a weekly thing happened probably pretty early on the serious sex and fantasy side would you agree yeah i mean there's a few guys that you just knew we would get on yeah and i'm also lazy so i don't Jeff, like, if you look at like the Rotowire podcast, right? Like I was, I had Dalton on every week for Real Man. Would Jeff would talk to different people all the time. Um, so and and part of it's because, um, I, you know, I don't love meeting new people. I mean, I I like to know people kind of slowly, and then once I know them, I like to have them on. But I don't like to meet new people, especially on the air. It's not my style. Uh, but there were guys I knew well and I knew were smart, and Scott was one of them. And uh, I knew you know could talk about sports in an articulate, entertaining way. So we. He was an easy one. You know, there were just a bunch of guys like that that we knew. Um, and and I didn't, you know, if you look, we don't vary the guests that much. I mean, it's like the same guys. Right. For like a whole decade is pretty much the same guys. 
Well, you especially, haven't... yeah. And Scott's so thoughtful and very pensive and just really entertaining at the same time. Every once in a while, you get that little pause and you're like, oh, Scott, you still there? No, he was just thinking about his answer. Um, and it's because he put, you know, he puts a lot into it. He cares what he says. He doesn't just come off the cuff that often. Yeah, I, I pretty much just wing it. Uh, he, he's, he's a smart guy. He's entertaining. And he also, he'll do every sport. That's one of the things I love about Scott is, you know, if they're, if like, the Olympics are on and there's like a fantasy water polo. He probably have a take. Uh, I know one thing I love about those guys is we love talking about theory, right? I mean, the idea is the goal isn't to give the fish away. It's to teach the person how to fish, right? You know, to teach somebody how to play. And that's what we're trying to do with these things. We're trying to get you to make better decisions, whether it's a fab pickup or who you, you know, what clothes you draft or who you should bet on or whatever it is. We're just trying to help you with your process and get, make you prepared and educated so you make a more informed decision and, and hopefully be a little bit entertaining along the way i think i think that's the goal and that's why that show has lasted as long as it has jeff then talk about your business relationship with the nffc and how greg and tom became guests i met greg ambrosius in 1998 i can't remember the first time i met those guys a uh, year after we launched launched roto news John Hunt profiled us in Baseball Weekly like three or four times. Every time he did, our traffic would blow up. I, I kind of remember now the first time I met Rotowire, and it was the labor auction. John Hunt brought in new people for the very first time. And then he invited us to labor the first ever expert league for baseball. So Pete and I went down to Florida, and Greg was one of the first. He was in the, a longstanding member of the league. He was one, That's the League of Alternative Baseball Reality. It's the OG expert league in our industry for baseball they were in expert leagues that we would host at the trade conference so i remember Liss. he stood out that's for sure and jeff as astute as could be so love those guys at rotowire and have had a great relationship for more than two decades with them he came up to us you know, oh mr ambrosius honor and i'm like get out of who are these nerds that came here you know so i don't know why jeff doesn't call me mr ambrosius to this day i mean where did i transform into greg when I was always Mr. Ambrosius. How long have you been a regular caller, regular guest mm -hmm. on the Rotowire show on SiriusXM? So we partnered with Rotowire in 2013. We had the online championship. It was just the NFBC online championship, NFFC online championship. I had a good relationship with Peter Shanky, and I said, you know, we could create this contest, and we'll call it yours. We'll take care of it all. We'll guarantee the prize money and all. Of course, it was a great marriage, right? They could promote it for us. We could name it for them. And so 2013 was when we did the deal together, and part of it included that we would have occasional appearances on their radio show on SiriusXM. We had our own show as as well but getting appearances on their show helped us as well so we started appearing every monday tom and me would alternate and it just was great and jeff and chris have really gotten into the high stakes and nfbc and nffc this isn't just lip service from them they play the game they're very good at the game they enjoy talking about the game so they like having us on there i enjoy those appearances on mondays all the time uh, they're just fun to shoot the with if you will and I, I just really love it what do you think makes jeff and chris's show stand out from the rest well they're very genuine right they're opinionated chris is opinionated he sticks to his opinion that helps an awful lot there's a lot of people who take two sides on the radio not chris and and jeff and chris just bounce off each other very well but they're genuine they're very knowledgeable they're opinionated that's what you want in a radio show right and i think these guys Hit that to the max. They're just very good. But what a good chemistry. I mean, you talk about Mike and Mike, right? They tried to have other people work with those two guys. It didn't work out. I'm sure Jeff will be fine with whoever he's with, Chris, whoever he's with, Dalton. He does a great job. But those two guys together are just like the Mike and Mike. They just kind of work together very, very well, and they're a pleasure to listen to. You know, I just think they're a perfect yin and yang, and they just work real well together. Going to miss them for sure working together, but I have a feeling they'll get back together somehow. Greg was one of the very first people we met there and he was super welcoming. He's like, Hey, you guys are doing a great job with Roto news. It's a, it's good to get younger guys. We were the young guys. Um, yeah. You know, blow your mind with that one there. 20, I was 27, no 26 even. Uh, and we're like, damn, we're doing, we're doing labor. This is awesome. And Greg is a nice guy. Keith law was there. He was really nice to me. I got to be pretty good friends with Keith too. Uh, we, we, but Greg was like, this is awesome. You, I love what you're doing. It's different than everybody else is doing, and that's going to grow the industry. And he he was great, and he was doing Krause magazines at the time. That was that was before NFFC and NFBC. More and NFBC was before NFFC, if I recall correctly. But you know, 
after a few years when he launched, he broke, they broke away from Krause and they did NFBC and that was something he's doing on the side. It wasn't his whole, full, whole full-time gig. You know, he invited us in and we, we, I forget how it first came, but we had him on the show uh, and it promoted it. And obviously it helped him and a lot of his players listened to the show. And so it's just a natural relationship. So I met he and Tom though way early in the game, especially Greg. Uh, and we've known Greg forever. So I don't know when it first like officially became like a thing on the show, but it was way early in the relationship. Greg, he's just a, a good guy. Like Greg is just a hilarious guy. Like you can just, he's, a, he's just a nice dude. He's easy to talk to. In one word, describe Chris Liss. Different. And he's just one of those guys that, you know, when you do business with him and, you know, we have, you know, we're partners with the NFC, NFBC, um, you know, it's a win-win, you know, he's just one of those guys that like, there's nothing shady. He's always paid the money. You know, there was another one that folded where they still owe Dalton money for finishing in the top 10 overall, never got the money. They have sconded with the, uh, with the funds, you know, Greg's operation is, is good. You know, he's a really good business guy and he's, and he's just uh, an honest, good, good hearted guy. So that's all I'll say about him. And that's all I have to say about that. Dalton Del Don is a recurring guest on the show. How long has he been on the show? What year did he start making regular appearances? Well, so Dalton started writing for us, I want to say like 2005, 2006. He was one of my guys that I, you know, liked a lot. And we, he and I would drive to uh, labor to do the labor draft in Arizona. We have some crazy stories about that. Uh, and uh, so I think he was probably one of the regulars pretty quickly. Uh, early on too. How did you first meet Jeff and Chris and how did you get integrated into their Sirius XM show? All right, man. I cold emailed about 2005-ish, uh, just looking for any work, a bunch of different companies and Rotowire uh, got back to me and happened to have the San Francisco Giants uh, team beat. Listen, I hit it off. We um, are both sick-minded individuals and uh, yeah, we have a lot more in common than I'd like to admit. Um, but yeah, I did some, some more football stuff and that was what he was uh, mostly with and then baseball with Jeff. And eventually that led to me, actually, I was, I don't know if you know this, Alan, but I was co-hosting this XM show like three days a week, three hours long with them right before Yahoo came calling. So, I mean, I actually was really like, oh man, right when I have this cool uh, XM thing, I don't even think I've been doing it a year. I had to give it up because uh, obviously my dream job was, was going to Yahoo. But the first, my very first show, I'll never forget this. The first show, um, they're like, uh, okay, in three minutes, you're interviewing Roy Halladay. I mean, he was like in his prime. He was like, you know, I was like, oh, is that all? I um, mean, you know, he was like just one Cy Young's or whatever. So that was my first interview. Um, and then there's uh, memorable uh, moments in Vegas. During the Vegas trip, they still wanted to do the show. So we're like scrambling in the morning, hungover, interviewing Ricky Henderson with the producer yelling in our ear to ask a question that neither Liz and I wanted to. Some epic times uh, with the show and the, and the Road to Wire guys. Describe Chris Liss in one word. Sick. Sick-minded. There's props to uh, to Jeff. Yes, uh, man, it's been a long time, and uh, that's going to be like a marriage breaking up. It's going to be really weird not being able to hear them talk sports throughout the year and, and, and daily. What's your pre-show prep? Oh, there, there's zero prep, zero zero prep, and 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 I love it that introducing me to the show. They usually use the clip. Uh, we talk to some of the best fantasy minds in the industry. And then it leads to me and Liz says, and also Dalton Veldon. So one, uh, I was on the way to a bachelor party in a bus full of people. And he's like, no, 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 we're still doing the segment. So I called uh, in a bus full of people, uh, really loud, riled up going to, to Reno. Uh, that was funny. But the best has to be in, in, in L.A. We came back from labor and Liz is like, you know, it'd be a funny gig. is I, They had a show at night uh, one of these uh, times and uh, sent me on a liquor run. And I went to a liquor store and purchased us a, a six pack of beer live on the air. Yeah, man, I love both of you. I wish both of you the best of luck. But honestly, selfishly, I'm just upset. I mean, I'm going to miss my routine and, and miss listening to you, Liz, every day. And yeah, man, I, you will be missed. I'll still, of course, listen to Jeff. Stefania Bell, she obviously has a unique skill set in assessing injuries. How long has she been on the show? So Stefania, um, she was at the, I just met her at one of those like FSWA conferences when it used to be called that. It's got to be like 2005, something like that. And uh, she, um, you know, she was like, hey, I'm a physical therapist and I want to get into, I'm into fantasy sports and whatever. And she was writing for a competitor's site. I can't remember what it was called. but KFFL. KFFL, that's right. It was a pretty big recall. site. And uh, Jeff has a good memory. Like, Amazing have, recall. Yeah, Amazing recall. Well, they used to call them the human scoreboard in uh, softball. So Still do. They call me scoreboard. Uh, yeah, okay. Still okay. We still scoreboard. play. So, it's crazy. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, 
anyway, yeah. So KFFL, she was writing for, but they kind of gave her like a co-byline with somebody else. And they just didn't, you know, they were just sort of like, oh, here's this person who wants to write. And they just kind of like considered it like, you know, one of many people who probably wanted to get into fantasy sports. But I don't know. I, I don't know what it was. Like she made a, a little bit of an impression. And I said, okay, we'll send me some stuff. And I was like, this, this person's actually knows what the hell she's talking about you know and right. will carroll had been out you know doing this a little bit he was the only other guy who kind of specialized in injuries but you know stefani was a physical therapist like she worked with people who had these exact problems that these athletes have and she had like firsthand knowledge of how rehabs work and how long it takes and all this stuff and and she was just really professional i mean that was the thing about her is like if you asked her to do something she would do it and she would do it well and if you gave her feedback, she'd take the feedback and incorporate it and, and write it better. Um, and it was really easy to get her going. And then we got her on the air and, and she was comfortable and she was pretty you know, confident and could speak articulately about this stuff. And it was like, wow. And, you know, it was it was like she was just really good. So that was easy. How does Jeff make you a better broadcaster? Uh, I think he he gets our joke, right? Like there's like this joke that we have, which is kind of like, we're just, you know, we're just, we're doing the show. Right. And like, I, I know it's funny cause you, you used to listen to the show as a listener and you think like, this is a big deal like this show. Right. But like Jeff still, and I still do, by the way, I still listen to the show. Right? So it's not like listen, I used to listen to it. Well, yeah. I mean, but like, it's like, Oh, what a big deal it is. And now you're on the inside, you've done the show. So you know, kind of how the, the sausage is made. But Jeff and I, you know, I mean, they started Roto News before I got on. But, you know, we knew, you know, I knew Jeff knew that we were like hustling our asses off in 2002 for no money. I mean, like no money, like taking half paychecks. And it was just us like making projections and rankings and, you know, cobbling together the site and, and, and some beat writers. Um, and, you know, so like so now we're on this show, but like we're still like it's a joke. You know, it's not serious. Like the the, the show, we're not like professional broadcasters with a radio voice you know it's like a joke you know and so jeff and i are both in on the same joke and so i think that's you know and then he knows how i am you know and like and then he'll play the straight man you know and i'll be the clowning guy and it's just a good balance it's a, just a really good balance he gets the joke that i'm trying to make and sometimes i'll miss one of his jokes and then i'll someone will tell me later i'll be like damn it i missed i missed the joke it was a good <laughs> joke and i totally missed it because i was being too serious i was being too whatever you just um, power right through it man you do it sometimes, sometimes <laughs> i do great. sometimes i do yeah i hate i hate this comp that i'm about to make because i despise the guy but he's the Dan Patrick and I'm the Olbermann, you know, and I, I can't stand Olbermann. I, I hope I don't become that Jesus Christ. Uh, but it is, there's always like the straight man, you know, and the, and you know, the, the guy who clowns on everything. And, and that's, that's the balance that you have. Hey Jeff, how does Chris make you a better broadcaster? He challenges me all the time, constantly. You know, I can't say any random throwaway thing without it getting challenged. I can't make an assertion and just let it, it'll just, Oh, okay, sure. No, I have to, think you know i have to make sure i'm on guard because if i, if I make this like throwaway comment he's going to be on it and also he, he, i mean he just he gets everything real quickly uh, uh con conceptually you know we'd be we'll play like the best ball 10 we're learning you know i had played a best ball game and he got he figured out okay this is this is the constant game he gets things really quickly um and so it keeps me challenged all the time uh and i, I like that and i i you know it's you know, it could be it could be dull. It could it could be this, this drudgery to do the same thing all, constantly for ten years, but it's not. It's always fresh. It's always new because I'm always you know, I, I always have to be on guard, and that's a good thing. Is that intimidating? Does that make you bite your tongue sometime? Uh, or you know, maybe now you're a little bit more free flowing with your with, with your thoughts. But at some point, did that make you say, "Yeah, maybe I shouldn't say this"? Maybe, maybe, but that it makes me a better broadcaster, though, if I am thinking about it a little bit more. So. It prevents me from getting lazy. It prevents me from being on autopilot. No one wants to listen to anybody on autopilot anyhow, so it makes it a better show. Hey, Jeff, this is leaving the show. Yeah, I what know. Are, it sucks. What does this guy mean to you? What, what's, you know, obviously the show will go on. You know, it'll be different. There'll be, there'll be parts that, you know, opportunities to do things. But what are you going to miss most about doing the show with him every day? A lot of things. I mean, it's, we get each other's sense of humor. Um, you know, we, I mean, you talk to someone for every day for 10 years, pretty much. I talk to Liz probably more than anybody else besides my own family, uh, which is just kind of crazy. Um, How are you it, still sane? How are you still able to function? I know, right? <laughs> you know, 
but who knows? Maybe I'll just blossom after this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I, like, like, I, wow, my life is so good. It's so easy. Oh, Jeff, you really have a voice. Wow, who knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's no longer the Chris List show. Oh, and hey, Jeff's there too. No, just kidding. Um, I'll say this. We're better positioned now than we've ever been. Like the guys that would fill in here and there, they're smooth now. And it's not even fill in. Like Clay and James, they rock. Todd Zola is now a really smoother, more confident radio guy. Football side, Mario is, you know, definitely built up his audience. Joe is, you know, natural. It's kind of a smooth, natural radio voice. Anyhow, not afraid to state an opinion. Uh, we've got a deeper lineup than we ever had in the past. So that's going to make things a little bit easier in the transition. But it is going to be different. I mean, when I when all the jokes that I'm, I'm going to make, like, you know, there's there's little one-liners that, that, that mean something to Chris and I and to the audience. But it doesn't – it's not going to mean – I'm going to start saying that, and they're going to be, uh-huh, okay, whatever. You know, and it's just like, you know, don't diminish the work that Chris is doing on the show. That sort of stuff. <laughs> right, 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 right. So that, that doesn't mean anything to yeah. these guys yet. But we'll we'll have our own. I'm and sure. I'm going to, I'm going to ask, let me, the same I'll say, let me say one more thing about Jeff. I don't like to say nice things about people. So this is a rare thing, right. but I'll say the thing. One thing about Jeff is the dude is super f- smart. Like, I don't mean just like, I'm not just saying that I wouldn't say that. Like the dude is super smart. Like he doesn't, he's not the guy clowning and making all the philosophical points and always going into all this like projections, philosophy and all that, shit. but he gets it. Everything I say, he gets completely like immediately. And, you know, I've thought about this shit for a long time and I've thought it over for, you know, couple of years or at least you know i've been mulling it over all day if i thought of something new and you know i mean i've been having to like clarify it but he gets it we go on and he gets it you know and he'll he'll respond intelligently and say well what about this or oh i agree with that but what do you think of this and i appreciate that that's you know it's i don't think you know there's a lot of people that can just pick up like high level concepts that you you know you've been thinking about or working on for a while live on air and be able to actually you know digest that and, and process that and understand it right away so anyway i just give him a, well, a little bit of his due so well thank you much yeah. appreciate that but that's the thing yeah. is and i'll throw it right back at you is that you do you like i said you pick up concepts super quickly uh you, you get introduced to a new game and you're like okay bam this i see this flaw bam i see that uh and you're also super well read i mean you know obviously all the philosophical bent that you majored in in college you, it stuck with you and you've you've known how to apply it a lot of times whether it's like the guy falling out of the tower, the, the, you know, falling off, off oh, the, the Bertrand Russell, Bertrand Russell quote. I use that yeah. all the time. I love that yeah. one. It applies a lot in our industry. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, I agree with what he said. Like it's similar. It's like, I talked to Jeff more than anybody else except my family. And it's just like, and, and you know, it's, and it's also the producers a little bit, but it's like a little bit of a, a work family. You know, we don't go to the office anymore. Right. We, we used to have an office, which was great at RotoWire. I mean, that's a whole other story, you know, playing yeah. foosball and making Josh Ross miss his haircut appointment and like, you know, and like people sweating and shoe punching the, the, the foosball table when he would lose. And the, the whole thing, it was like, you know, we had a whole culture there. We had a whole thing and it was like, it was something to do every day. And, you know, you'd roll in whenever you felt like it. And, but you, you had your friends there and you had your colleagues there. Um, and, you know, now that everybody's remote, we don't have that. And so our radio show, you know, with Jeff and the producers, it's kind of this friendly thing. Um, and the guests that come on, you know, and it's like they join in, you know, here and there. Um, and now I'm just like in Portugal, you know, friggin', you know, by myself. And I get I'm going to have Dalton, you know, on and I'm sure I'll get Jeff or I'll do guest spots or whatever. But I'm going to miss, I think, having that, you know, that like sort of, you know, daytime family that, you know, that, that you that you have. Um and, uh, and we'll see, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I won't miss like having it always be by appointment at these hours. I won't miss, um, not being able to go to the beach, rent a beach house because there's not 30 megabytes up and down and I've tested five times. Um, so it won't hit me until, you know, it's been a month and I haven't done it. And I'm like, shit, like that's just not my life anymore. So, uh, and it's been, you know, 12 years. So it's, it, I think it will be, it will hit me pretty hard. I think probably, uh, some of the signature bits, will they go on, Jeff? Are you still going to do chances to win? Are you still going to do guess the lines? I mean, yeah, I will definitely do guess the lines. Chances to win. I don't want to be the guy doing chances to win. Uh, if I can get somebody else to do the chances to win uh, and I'll be the host guy again, I'll probably, we'll probably do that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you can't do everything. Um yeah, but you know, if we're gonna have engagement Monday, I mean that's that's an easy segment, you know, and XM's gonna want it. 
because uh, they know they get like a billion calls that segment. So I who, don't know who owns the rights to that list. I mean, do, do you have a do you have that? I, the call? only rights I you own is uh, you know is, the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, the only rights I own is Real Man Wood. I got that. Everything yeah. else uh, they can take, uh, and I won't be doing chances to win uh, or any version of it. Uh, we have made it personally. clear: chances to win is free use, and in fact, yeah. we demand other people use chances to win. Yeah, that's fact. Yeah, that's right. So the, uh, so the algorithm is is a uh, public use. Anyone point. can access the algorithm. It is. I don't know if they can replicate it though. It, there's right. a lot that went into it. You know, it was. Uh, it's a lot to understand. Once, I, well, once I incorporated quantum computing into it, then I think that it's sort of out of out of reach for uh, most uh, nation states. There's definitely people who don't get the joke. There's definitely people who say, um, you know, you're such a jerk, man. How are you so mean to the the callers? Or um, or, you know, or chance, this is a stupid thing, chances to win. You're just making these numbers up. God damn it. You're making these numbers up. Can't people see? It's fake. Yeah, it's fake. That's the whole point of the segment, you idiot. Hey, guys, you've both been generous with your time. You mean, you know, I, I've been listening since pretty close to the beginning. I would say I picked it up around 2012. I haven't missed a show since. The show means so much to so many people. And it's it's hard to believe for myself and all the fans that it's it's coming to an end in this iteration. Obviously, we're looking forward to the next uh, the next version of it, the 2.0. Uh, wish you both best of luck, and we're just happy that uh, I think this is this uh, look behind the curtain, as you said, to have the sausage made is going to mean a lot to a lot of people. So, thank you both for taking the time to do it. No problem. And we'll have Chris on a lot, but only for chances to win. So it's, it's a, a double-edged <laughs> no, sword. No, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. No, maybe I'll just do some reads for like candy bars and stuff. I'll come yeah, on, be the guest reader. Hey, Alan, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, uh, I appreciate absolutely. it. Uh, it's nice of you. You know, I was probably going to just like disappear, you know, promote my uh, site a couple of times or something. But I, I appreciate that you're, you know, that you, that you're uh a long-term fan of it and you get the show and uh it's nice that you uh care enough with you know to do those segments at the end of each year which were great and uh and and you know that you're putting this together so thanks everyone agrees with what we say on the show i I can't even imagine (laughs) someone disagreeing with us how much were the super bowl tickets jeff how much you spent on the super bowl tickets? everybody is wondering that that, just so you know how much they set you back everybody's (laughs) wondering huh um Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.